Welcome to Testify It, where we are sharing the love of Christ and building people up through testimonies and teaching. Our passion is to share how God is working in people's lives today. My name is Rhonda Wagner, and I'm a founder and board member at Testify It. Today, I am truly excited as we have a testimony from Brian Hamilton, who, after becoming addicted to drugs and hitting bottom, decided to call out to God. What happened is truly amazing. The next voice you will hear is Dr. Bruce Fowler, who, along with his wife Judy, have a biblical counseling ministry and have been in ministry for over 50 years. They are both board members with Testified as well. Now, without further ado... Welcome to Testify It. I'm Bruce Fowler, a board member of Testify It, which is a Christian organization to to discover testimonies of worthy people who have gone through real problems. Our view is to uh, uncover uh, people with real faith, and we have just such a person, uh, my friend and brother in Christ, Brian Hamilton, who... I recognize as a man of real faith and of dynamic worship, as he's a worshiper and a musician and a drummer and a lot of other things I could tell you, uh, who has had a testimony concerning drugs and his victory over that. Uh, Brian, welcome. And Thank you. Uh, can you tell us, uh, maybe even start with your, I already mentioned drugs in your testimony, but can you give us a little background as to who you are and some of where you've been? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in South Hills, which South Park is the, is the area I grew up and went to South Park High School. Um, and in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. yep. And, and lived there mo- all my life and um, or in that area all my life. Um, after after attending South Park High School, I went to Clarion University. So I've always been in the area, kind of this area in, in Pennsylvania. But um, I have um, a mother and father who are still married and a good example of what a, a good marriage is about. Um, and I've, I've always had them. I have two brothers. I've got an older brother and I've got a younger brother. So I'm, I'm in the middle. Um, we're all separated by about three years. Mm-hmm. So, Sounds like you've had a... a- relatively stable family, but I'm guessing from part of your testimony that you've shared a little with me that that doesn't necessarily mean a dynamic, solid-in-the-Lord family. Would that be true? Yes, that's correct. Um, I did. I spent my life going to church. We went to church <laughs> almost every week, um, and and very rarely would my parents let us miss. So that was something that they were faithful with. But I, I, you know, I never really had a relationship with the Lord. And, and now that I've, you know, had some time spending with the Lord and or not that I've spent some time with the Lord, I understand that my parents really never had a relationship. It was kind of a thing that we did every week. We just went to church. That's and, one thing and, that's excited me is I've gotten to know you, Brian, just how excited and dynamic your testimony is of your personal intimate relationship with the Lord. It's true that you can go to church a lot. With absolutely no relationship, I'm grateful for that background, but I'm even more grateful for seeing Christ's spirit in you as a, as a brother in Christ. Yeah. And so that's, um, I, I've been going to church all my life. So it's, <laughs> Okay, yeah. good. 
Tell me about uh, when some of the problems may have started or <clears throat> when or how. I was about 12, 13 years old, right around that range. Um, I got into playing drums, a lot of drums, and, mm -hmm. and got into a band. And um, we started playing out at a young age, too, because we were we were good enough to, to get in front of people. And um, so that I think that whole atmosphere of playing drums and, and, uh, uh, and, and eventually in the bars, once we got a little older, 16, 17 years old, we were already playing in the bars. Um, mm. Just that whole atmosphere kind of led to me heading down that path. Um, at about 13 years old, I was starting to smoke marijuana. Um, continued to do that and even got into some heavier drugs um, in, in high school. Because uh, I remember times where I was even tripping on acid in, in high school. One of the things that God has reminded me of is that he never wastes a thing, even though you may have been into some real problems, as you mentioned, even in the bar scene and beginning with marijuana. God even uses that. He doesn't endorse that. But there's nothing about our life. And I have just been so blessed at watching you use what you've started in drumming. I know a lot of drummers, but I don't think I know any drummer uh, that's been more anointed in worship than you, Brian. Uh, so you were uh, uh, into drugs pretty early then yeah, in your life. I, I was. Went to college and and uh, and actually in high school I was a I was a pitcher I was a baseball pitcher so mm. even though I led this life of you know the bars and the music and the women and everything I, I still had a uh, athletic side to me and actually in in high school I thought I was going to be a professional pitcher that's what mm. I thought I was going to do um, ended up my senior year um, throwing the ball 93, 94 mile an hour. And I ended up my senior year, we only played 15 games, but I pitched eight of the 15 games and I was eight and zero with an wow. ERA of 1.37 and 82 strikeouts in eight <laughs> games. So it was averaging over 10 strikeouts a game. Better so, at baseball even than, than the, the, music the drumming. drumming. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I was, I was better. Um, continued that, went to college specifically to pay, play baseball. And I uh, got injured my, my freshman year and had surgery on my shoulder. So that's where the downhill spiral started there. Um, I continued to play baseball throughout college, and um, I did okay, but I wasn't the pitcher that I was before the surgery. You mentioned uh, thinking you might go into professional baseball. You may have seen that as a problem when that was taken away from you. As I look back on it now, I see that sometimes what God takes away from us, even though we have huge talent there, may really be God's idea. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I agree, because who knows what would have happened if I would have, if I would have made that. And the, the tendency that I had to go to do these drugs, and who knows what would have happened if I would have started making millions of dollars a year playing baseball. Mm. I mean, and you see it often happen in the professional sports these days. How many oh, yeah. people get wrapped up in some bad stuff just because they got the money to do it? What God calls success isn't necessarily what we call success or failure, either one. We need to define it by his terms. Then what happened as you played through college and uh, did you continue on with uh, other interests and drugs in your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, through college, um, I continued to play baseball through through the, the entire time I was there and, and continued to get into the same drugs. I was doing acid, I was smoking weed, and I was doing some pills. But then when I got out of college and got my first job, um, I actually uh, started my first job working for the mentally retarded. And so I wasn't making a whole lot of money at that point, but I met a girl there 
and she um, she had gotten surgery and got some pills, some some pain pills. So she would share them with me, and we would find it to be quite amazing to smoke some weed and take some pills. We felt like we were on cloud nine. So that's where that whole deal started. So um, that continued. I ended up marrying this girl um, and continued to do that for several years after that. And, and the, the, the marriage kind of got a little rocky um, towards the end. But before that all happened, we decided to adopt a little girl from China. And, and that was in the throes of my, uh, addiction. I was, I was going on, I was on my way to China to adopt the kid. I, I, I did have enough, I guess, um, presence about me to think that I shouldn't be doing this, but my wife was really set on having this little girl from China. So she would not have it. I, I tried to say, maybe we should hold off on this. Maybe we shouldn't do this, but I ended up going to China and adopting her, um, came back. Not too long after I came back, she realized um, at this point in my life, 23, 24 years old, I was moving into heroin. So the the, the pain pills and everything kind of ran out. It was getting expensive. Heroin was a, heroin was a way for me to continue to do uh, an opiate-type drug but not have to spend as much money, and, and it was readily available. It seems so, like just sort of a natural uh, progression from pain pills, which are really – maybe even normal under some circumstances, especially after surgery. And especially if the two of you, you and your wife could do it kind of together. And yet it still sounds like Satan had a hold of you uh, enough then. Although when you mentioned your, uh, your daughter from China, God knew what was going on with that. God still knows what's going on with her. Um, what then happened? Tell me more about your, your family. Did that work out okay with your wife and your daughter? And- no, not too long after we got back from China. My my wife was not, I don't believe, into heroin at that time and was still still did like the pain pills, but uh, she wasn't as far out there as I was, I guess. <laughs> so um, she left me and she said, mm. um, I'm out of here. Or actually, I left the house when she said, I don't, I don't want to be with you anymore. I kind of said, I'll just go then. So I left the house and, and at that point she was already dating another guy. And um, so I knew that, that there was no way I was going to save this. I was addicted to heroin. She was already dating another guy. Um, so I left and um, I did in, in over the next couple year or so or two years, I did have a little bit of clean time. I, ma- I managed to get my job back because I had lost my job at that point. Um, I managed to get my same job back, but um and during that clean time, I had met another girl. Once I got my job back, then there was people at that at that place of employment that knew a knew a nurse that worked over in the mm-hmm. hospital, and they thought that she would be a good match for us. So they kind of hooked us up. So I met Shelly, and um, and uh, I guess probably after six months to eight months after meeting her, I fell again. I was, I was staying clean while I, while I knew her, but she already had a four year old boy. She had been through a divorce. Um, um, and she had this little boy and, and we were going okay. And, and then I fell again. So she realized at that point, I can't be in a relationship with a drug addict, uh, with a four year old. So she said, I'm not going to do this oh, anymore. And at that point I had lost my job for the second time. So I, 
no longer have a girlfriend um, that I met, <laughs> and, and now I don't have a job. I didn't have a place to live because not only she cut me off and said, I'm not going to hang out with a guy that's doing drugs. My family at that point had completely cut me off too. Oh, my goodness. That sounds so, like a lot of falling. You're losing the the baseball, part of the love of your life and the skill and strength that you thought you'd had. Losing jobs, losing a family, losing marriage, uh, and now even losing some of your support from from family background who are stuck with you and they love you and still saying, no, we, we can't continue to do this. Right. That sounds like it must have been a horrible low point in your life. It was my bottom. And, and they, you know, I hear people say that there are different bottoms for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, but that was certainly my bottom. I, I had lost everything. The only thing that could have got any worse is me being in jail at that point. Um, so, um, wife, family, house, kids, I was basically going to be a homeless drug addict at that point. Oh, so my, my brother had mentioned to me, uh, my older brother said, your only option I think is to go to a place called Teen Challenge. Um, Teen Challenge is a year long, over a year long residential program. You go and you stay there and it's completely Christ centered. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a rehab. Teen Challenge is a little bit of a um, it's not really teen challenge. It's not just for teens. Teen challenge is for actually there's older people. A lot of teens that go there are and not you ready. You weren't a teen. I wasn't a teen. I was 34 years old at that point. Goodness. So um, that's a little misleading that name. But I think way way back um, when David Wilkerson probably started that whole thing, it was a lot of teens from the gangs and stuff getting into it. But I find that there was a lot fewer teens in there than there were older. Uh, middle-aged men like myself because a lot of teens really aren't ready to make that kind of commitment to get clean yet. When you say this was a Christian organization, how how were you and Jesus getting along about that time, Brian? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good point because I didn't know Jesus. And and like I mentioned, I was going to church, but I didn't know Jesus. So I decided, what else was I going to do at that point? I had lost every single thing I had um, and where was I going? So I figured, okay, I'll try this teen challenge thing. So I go to teen challenge and sound like you were real excited. I wasn't, I wasn't excited at all, but (laughs) I I figured it's my only option to get somewhat of a normal life back. So I went there knowing that I was going to be there for over a year. Um, but the second week into that program for the first two weeks of the program, it's a blackout. You're not allowed to talk to any family or, or anybody. Um, you're not allowed to make phone calls or have any visits. So, um, during that two weeks, I was into this, I was into my second week at teen challenge and it was on June 5th, um, that I decided that I was going to leave. I couldn't take this cause it was there for a little over a week. Um, and I knew I had many, many, many more months to go and I, and I just didn't have it in me to be able mm. to stick this out because it was very restrictive. I mean, there's not, not much you can do there besides spend time with God. I mean, you walk down the sidewalk, you're not even allowed to step on the grass. That's how strict this all is. They really put the clamps on you as far as what you're allowed and not allowed to do. So I was going to leave and um, went and talked to Sister Sandy was her name. And um, Sister Sandy, she, she wasn't a Catholic, but we called her Sister Sandy um, or, or a nun, I should say. But um, her and Pastor Terry, they, they own this facility and are you know, kind of manage this one. And I went and talked to Sister Sandy and I said, you know what, I think, I think I'm going to be out of here because I can't take this. And they were the kind of people that they've been through a lot of drug addicts and knowing how this goes. And they, she basically said to me, I can't stop you from doing that. You, the Teen Challenge is a place that you don't have to stay. You can go anytime you want. 
I can't stop you from doing that. She says, but what's wrong? What's going on? And I said, I don't know. I said, I'm lonely. So she said part of God's plan. Yeah. Lonely, not to be confused with comfortable. In fact, I can't think of too much more misery than that. And yet even I see loneliness, Brian. I see even God using loneliness as part of his plan for you to make you lonely for him. Because you filled your whole life with everything else. Uh, baseball and uh, your, your, your wife and everything else. And all that didn't work out. So loneliness is a part of his plan. Well, she said God can use loneliness as a pathway to him. Amen. That's what she Amen. said. Good word. So then I went to, um, I, t- I talked to her for a little bit, and I went back to my room and thinking, I'm going to pack my stuff up and, and head out of here. And I knew at that point I was done because I wasn't going to survive. So I went to my room, closed the door. It's 12, 12.30 in the afternoon. And um, decided, excuse me. Okay. I decided, um, I was hearing, you know, all this stuff about God and because they were teaching me about God in there and, mm-hmm. and he won't push you beyond what you can bear. These verses that, that the teacher was teaching me because we had to go to Bible classes and, um, and, uh, so I decided I'm going to call out to this God mm. that they're talking about, close my door, lay down on my bed and, uh, and started crying. And faced out on my pillow. And I cried. And I cried. And I cried. For a long time. I remember I woke up. Or not woke up. But after 20 minutes of yelling at God. I didn't have your typical you know, prayer that they say. Oh come to me and do this prayer. And, and I'll save you. Mine wasn't like that. I yelled at God. And I was mad. I said. I'm hearing the teacher talk about all these verses. That you won't push me beyond what I can bear but I'm out of here so where are you you're not saving me I after about 20 minutes a half hour I remember getting up I remember my pillow being so wet from all the tears I could wring it out mm-hmm. that's how bad it, my, my pillow was just David from, from has a tears. verse like that in Psalms just about soaking his pillow with the tears it sounds like you're the epitome of that Brian so I did that for a half an hour, 45 minutes, yelling at God and crying. Finally got to the point where I could calm down a little bit and uh, gather myself and stood up, sat up, sat on the edge of my bed. And all of a sudden, I wasn't leaving anymore. Hmm. I said, there's something about, I said, there's just, I, I feel content. I feel okay. I don't know that I want to leave, though. So I knew that in that 20 minutes or a half hour, something happened because I had this piece up on me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stick this out a little bit. So I walked out of my room, closed the door, down the hallway, and I've never been the same person since. Wow. It's My life has changed from June 5th at 12.30 in the afternoon. I've never been the same. Wow. Sounds like God did something. It wasn't what you did or even an intellectual decision, but you're calling out to him is really all it took. Oh, my goodness. That so encourages me, Brian, to hear you say that because I see so many people who 
think that they've got to do this. They've got to promise that. They've got to change this. They've got to fix that. That's not how it went with you, <laughs> nor with me either. That's what is necessary, just to call out and to recognize you can't do it. And God says, hey, honey, you're right. You can't. He, he, and I think he that's what over. I realized at, at that point, uh, Bruce, is that I, I knew at that point I can't get through this on my own. If anybody's going to get me through this, it's going to be God. And yeah. and he gave me a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's so true <laughs> because I, I couldn't I couldn't understand it at that point. All I knew is that I was staying there. I was I was content and and I wasn't going anywhere. Um, but the neat thing that happened after that, over the next week or so, um, God had given me verses that were so powerful and happened. And so there, this, this was incredible because it was the weirdest things would happen. Every the three verses that he gave me, he gave me three times each verse. And it was the weirdest thing because one example was like my mother-in-law gave me a book to, to take up there or whatever. And, and I opened this book up and, and the verse in there is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. I see this verse. Okay, that's, that's cool, cool verse. Then I go down to class later on that day and we happen to be studying something and boom, there's that verse. It pops out again. <laughs> and then later on that night, I'm in my bed and I'm, or whatever, you know, Grab something, sitting in the living room, I grab something, there's that verse again, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. So I'm thinking, wow, that's really weird. In one day, how this verse just keeps popping up, and it's popping up in all kind of different circumstances. It's not like uh, any of this makes sense. So I said, maybe God's trying to tell me something. Does sound like God, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. He, he does that. He's a hound dog. He doesn't so, give up. When he gets a verse and he gets a man, he says, okay, I'm going to put this verse and this man together because he's my man, no matter what. And the thing that impresses me about what you shared so far, Brian, is that there was nothing really that you did except to admit you can't do anything. Uh, it's all God. This is all God. Oh, because, that's so encouraging, Brian. Um, uh, but to make a long story short, that was the first verse, be still and know that I'm God. The second verse that he gave me was Philippians 1, 6, and it's be confident that he who began a good work and he was going to be faithful to see this through or complete it to the end. So that was the second verse. And then the third verse was um, in John 21, where he's talking to Peter and he says to Peter, if you love me, you'll follow me. So that uh, that's the, the the succession of these verses, and, and by the time he was done giving me those three verses, I thought there's there's something there, there's a story there, and the the story is what God was trying to tell me is okay, yeah, you're in Team Challenge and you got a long time in this program, but be still <laughs> and know that I'm God, and then be confident that this work that I've started, I'm going to continue it. And, then and the all last the one is on him. Is, it's not what you. It's done. on him. It's all. It's, it's what it's he's all him. doing. He brought you there. He said, "Be still. You shout. Sit down and shut up, Brian. Yep. It's me, God. And that's right. you. And that's all he wanted me to do is be still. At that point, I didn't really have to just just be still and let me do my thing. So yeah. Um, and all I really did was I didn't do much besides submit to him and say, uh, "Where are you taking me? That's it. Where are you taking me? Not where am I taking myself?" But. Um, and then the last one is, if you love me, you'll follow me. And I and I think that there's an important message there because, um, you know, it, it's not going to be, I'm not going to white knuckle this. I'm not going to, um, in my strength, get out of this. I, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to follow God because I love him. And at this point, Bruce, I loved God more than anything. I'm, I'm a really only a weekend to being saved here, but I knew he was real. I knew that something happened to me in that bedroom that one day. 
And I loved him because of it. And I, till this day, I continue to love God with <laughs> such shows. a passion because what he did for me, I, I didn't deserve it. Matter of fact, I went in my room and I didn't even do the typical prayer that they say to do all the time. Uh, forgive <laughs> me for my sins and do this. No, I yelled at him. I yelled at him hard and I cried and yelled at him some more. And he took that and saved me. Yeah. So that whole typical prayer thing is not necessarily true all the time. I can sit there and yell at God and he can save me after me yelling at him like that and saying, I'm telling him he's not even real. You're not even here. Where are you at? I'm getting ready to leave and probably go kill myself and you're not showing up, God. And that's the kind of stuff I said to him and he used that and still saved me. Do you know why that worked? Because it, you were honest. You were real. You had integrity. You weren't religious. It wasn't programmed. He's not into protocol. He's into honesty. And that's what I still see in you, Brian, every week as I see you praising the Lord and using what God gave you in, in, in the worship band. I see an enthusiasm that's not just emotion. It's from your spirit because of it's God's spirit. And I'm so grateful that you had courage to say, look, Lord, I can't do this. And he says, that's all right. I can. And uh, you, you yielded to that. I'm so grateful. Where, where is your family? Where's, what's God doing with you now? Have you backed off from this? I don't even know what question to ask. Well, amazingly enough, um, I, when I decided to go to Teen Challenge, the, the girl that I had met at that point, Shelly, was just mm -hmm. my girlfriend with this four-year-old boy, decided that if I was going to do that, Shelly was a Christian. And, and I was going to church with her, and actually, we were the, the church that I'm in right now. We were going to that church, and um, and and every week I would go with her, and then I and I ended up falling again. But we were going to this church, and she was a pretty diehard Christian. She <laughs> she loves the Lord, um, so she stayed with me, believe it or not, and through Teen Challenge, and that was a difficult time, and it was really. Uh, I don't know of too many couples that have started out their relationship with um, with somebody being in a, in a drug rehab. She could have very easily just left me at that point because I'm just her boyfriend. But she stayed with me, and she would come see me as much as she could, which, you know, it's not very often a teen challenge, but once every couple of weeks or whatever, somebody can come see you. And then there's two phases to it. There's an, the induction phase, which is four months, and then you go to the mountain. It's a little over eight months there. Um the first phase, she can come up once a week or once every other week, I believe it is, and visit you. And then when you get to the mountain, which is in Rearsburg, out by Lancaster, there's um, they can come once a month. So she would come visit me when she could come, you know, once a month. She'd come see me. My parents would come see me. So she stuck with me through this whole program. Perseverance. Yes. That's another thing that I'm, I'm catching from, from Shelley that, that you mentioned earlier you said something else, just real quick in passing. Let me reach back and grab it. You said you fell, but you went on. Yeah, there's a lot of people that could miss that. So when you fell, God kind of gave up and you left your life and you had to start all over. Well, no, I, I mean, I had met Shelly and never really. Good, I was hoping that's what yeah, you say. I, I met, um, and never really got out of it. I was just trying to make you know be clean for a little bit there and going to church and, and doing that. But I, I had not been through Teen Challenge at that point. So um, when I I meet Shelly and when I fall again, then she says to me, "I'm I'm I can't do this." And I said to her, "Well, I'm going to go to Teen Challenge." And th th this took a little bit of time, but I'm going to go to Teen Challenge. She said, "Okay, well, if you go to Teen Challenge, I'll." 
we'll see how things go. I'm not going to guarantee anything, but we'll see how things go. So she mm-hmm. stuck with me through that program. Perseverance. Yes. And um, when I got out, it was a matter of six months later, um, the, the pastor that um, was the that owned the Teen Challenge here in, in um, Springdale, uh, close to home, Pastor Terry, I became really good friends with. And uh-huh. um, he married us. So And, uh-huh. and he felt um like we were ready to be married too obviously i'm six months out of a rehab but pastor terry knew that 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 was behind me and that i was a, a new person and that um he, he felt comfortable marrying us so we got married in december and um and then we've been married since then so we're we're over uh 10 years married now we're 12 years almost 12 well years. and and how long has it been that you've really been clean and free and whole and unchained from since 2003 2003 yeah. wow that's been so it's uh, 13 years 13 i guess years. going on 14 years <clears throat> and uh, there's going to be a lot more years than that one thing that i i'm so grateful for is not only your perseverance but god's perseverance with you he doesn't give up on you mm-hmm. how often you you fail the bible says that the blood of jesus christ cleanses all unrighteousness and that's really true uh, it doesn't depend on our, even our perseverance, although that helps. I am so grateful for what God's done in you. Is there any, is there any last word that you can think of that you would like to give to those who are maybe struggling in some of the same ways that you have, either in failure, in addiction, in not liking where God put you or any of those parts of your testimony. What what would you say to someone listening that's having a really hard time right now today? Yeah, I think the the most important thing is, you know, unfortunately with with the drug world, um, it's a tough thing. It really is a tough thing. Um, Change is a tough thing. So, um, you know, one thing that I learned early on, and and I, I guess this could go for anybody that's out there struggling right now. I heard somebody say this and I think it's really important. It's not till the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of the change that you're going to do something. Mm -hmm. So there comes a point where the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of changing because there's a lot of pain in changing. Um, And if you find yourself in that spot that I can't take this pain anymore of doing what I'm doing, then maybe at that point, the pain of changing is not going to be so bad because you see the pain that you're in right now, and and it's a uh, it's a um, it's a harsh reality when you get into some of the harder drugs. Is that yeah, there's a lot of pain and change, but sometimes the pain of remaining the same is worse. I think sometimes God is even the author of that change to draw you, uh, the author of that pain. I mean, to draw you to Him. He even used pain with his beloved son, Jesus Christ, as a medium of drawing all of us to him. He certainly has done that in your life, but I praise God. You've been a testimony, not only to the people that are hearing you right now, but to a lot of us who have known you and have rejoiced in God's power in your life, Brian. In fact, could I just take a moment and pray for you right now? Absolutely. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that my brother Brian would just be encouraged in what you're doing in the lives of those people who have just heard his, at least a little bit of the testimony. I pray, Father, that you would use this testimony to encourage them and that you would, even right now, because of the words of his mouth and of your spirit, 
would draw them to you. That they would have courage, even in anger, to say, Lord, I can't do this. And hear you say, oh, Lord, that's right, honey, but I can. And so I do right now. I pray that you would bless my brother Brian and, and his wife and his daughter and his, his, his whole family and his situation. Thank you, Father, for what you are doing in his life and are about to do. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want more information about Testify It, please visit us at testifyit.com. That is T-E-S-T-I-F-Y-I-T dot com. Do you have a testimony to share? We would love to hear from you. Just go to testifyit.com and fill out the testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the site. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to Him, and choose to follow Him. He has already paid the price for your sins with His death on the cross. He was raised on the third day and will give you everlasting life with Him. You will be born again, and He will place His Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember you are loved by God and He deeply desires a relationship with you.